We are going to talk with Abigail Beeman, Global National Reporter, Ottawa Bureau Chief. And we're going to do that in about 35 minutes on the connection between Port Elgin and SNC-Lavalin. But even before that, let's have a conversation about the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Before news, we gave you a little background. And it's easy to say, well, something like the CWHL has to be able to support itself through ticket sales. And I think that was true 20 years ago. But I think the world is a different place. And I think that we may be in a position to see people go and choose a women's professional league over other choices of entertainment. I think we have enough hockey-playing females who are turning themselves into hockey-watching females who, if you have the ability to live out the dream of saying, hey, I could one day play professional hockey, I'm going to do that. We've had a lot of pioneers so far. You know, when any sport began, you can go back to its earliest incarnation. You can go back to the NHL and you can find guys in the 70s and even 80s who had to have summer jobs. No, you can't. Yes, you can. 70s and 80s, they would get jobs in the summer to supplement their incomes. We get so used to Bryce Harper signing for $330 million. We get so used to Steph Curry playing for over $40 million. John Tavares signs $11 million to play at home. That we lose sight of what actually got these leagues going. And... You know, I can't even imagine, and we've talked to a few people off the record about this, but I can't even imagine what it is like now to see or to think about seeing the game of hockey through the eyes of guys who played in the 70s and didn't get an opportunity at big money. And to see the big money now, and you think, man, why am I not 40 years younger, 30 years younger? I'd find a way. The money that has been made is unbelievable. And a lot of the players who played back in the 70s have either gone on to other jobs or you know, some of them are still in the game as scouts. You want to live the life of a scout, it is, it is a grind. It is tough. Those guys work for everything that they get. So in seeing the way that the Canadian Women's Hockey League was starting to take hold, you look back at the Clarkson Cup, they had a great crowd. They have games being shown on TV. You have young female players able to point and say, that's a role model for me. I would love to be able to do this. Now, it hasn't been that easy because there isn't the $330 million. There isn't even million. There is hardly even thousand when you talk about salaries. So it's not been about that, but it's been about building the game. And we happen to have a great London connection to the building of the Canadian Women's Hockey League that has now ceased operations and has created a lot of questions going forward. We'll ask some of those questions, and we'll also go back in time a little bit with Candice Moxley, who is the head coach of Western's women's hockey team. One of her players, April Clark, was honored last night. We'll talk about that. But Candice, first off, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. One of your players, honored last night at the Sports Celebrity Dinner. April Clark, can you describe the kind of season you saw her have? The stats look amazing. Oh, yeah. No, she was fantastic for us this season. I mean, uh, she came in with this uh, determination to just 
go out on the ice and prove herself every every night. And uh, she was she was definitely a, a threat, um, and it, it proved on the scoreboard. So she was she was a fantastic leader on the ice for for our group and also in the locker room. A twenty goal season in the OUA. How rare is that? Uh, you know what? Well, this is my first year coaching in the in the OUA, and I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's all doable. Um, I, I think what she she set out to do for herself this year and, and um, was fantastic, and I, I think it's definitely something that can be repeated. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities there where she just missed or just didn't came close to finishing. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be tough to do. But at the same time, I think it is definitely doable. Well, April Clark had a dynamite year and becomes one of those players that would certainly garner some notice from the professional ranks because of a season like that. And now we have, and I'm, I'm trying to figure this out, and Candace, maybe you can help us out in this. The CWHL ceases to exist, and that initially, for anybody who doesn't follow closely, sounds like a really, really devastating thing. But over the last day and a half, what we keep hearing from people is, yes, it is, it's bad for one reason, but it could actually help the professional side of women's hockey. How do you see this? Uh, you know, it was, I, I think, all in all, it's a it's a blow to women's hockey. Um just for this league to kind of disband like this, uh, the players and GMs had no idea it was happening, and I had quite a few conversations after after I saw the news myself, calling our old GM with the Markham Thunder and just uh, trying to hear her side of the story. Um, but there has been talks over over the years of how we grow the game and what direction it goes in, and I know the NHL has made some comments in the past where it's, they they were saying okay well it's the CWHL and the NWHL which is the U.S. Pro, uh, professional counterpart um, if they stop operations then the NHL will step in and that was kind of the idea that was in the back of our of our heads like okay there is potentially something better out there um, but for it to come around like this and uh, to come out as a as a shock to the players the GMs the fans and and everyone. Um, I just don't know what that what the future holds, um, but everybody's I think crossing their fingers and hoping um, someone steps in. And I don't know if the NWHL is that answer as that U.S. league. Uh, I don't think the expansion there is is kind of the right way to go um, as of now. But I mean that's that's my personal opinion. Even before we get to kind of the NWHL and kind of the options that exist, let's take a minute because you have won the Clarkson Cup. You know what this was becoming. Can you describe the the growth of the CWHL and and how it was being looked on by players playing in it? Oh my goodness! Okay, so we'll we'll go way back a little bit here. Where I played in the, I was playing in the. We had a Canadian. NWHL, um, and that's what I, when I graduated university, that's what I came back and played in. Um, and we had it was franchises, we had owners, um, but then they wanted to take our owners wanted to take some time to try and figure out a proper business plan for the league. Um, but that would mean that the league wouldn't have a season under their belt, um, and that's when the players stepped in and the CWHL was formed. So. Um, I played in the first year of the CWHL where we were trying to get sponsors. We had a board of directors, uh, which was a lot of players, um, but trying to get this league uh, a foundation and growth. 
um, to the point where we had Scotiabank was one of our sponsors. I was going out um, while the Zamboni was, was going around the rink and half my gear and putting up dasher signs of Scotiabank um, so that they'd be present in our games um, in local rinks. So the, the league has come, uh, like, it, it's been exp- exponential um, in terms of playing in the Clarkson Cup last year with the Markham Thunder. It was an uh, unbelievable experience. Um, the crowd was unbelievable. And even the, the viewership over, even from last year to this year with the Calgary-Montreal game, um, just it, it's just been fantastic. Um, so it's really hard to kind of just grasp what's happening right now. We're talking with Candace Moxley, who is the head coach of Western's women's hockey team, but also, can we call you a pioneer? Because really, you, you were for the CWHL. If you're one of the ones going out in half your gear, putting up sponsorship signs, that's that's something. And I think that's something that we have to draw attention to. We get so caught up in professional sports of thinking, well, you know, those professional athletes, you know, they, they have it easy. But at the same time, when you're looking at something that is just starting up, we're talking about people who have other jobs, other lives. How do you fit in a hockey schedule when you're not really making enough money to to do anything? I, I mean, this is where some a lot of the players have found found jobs and and not not careers. A few have careers and they're able to make it work. And those, I mean. Those, those players and, and coaches are to a next level, um, but a lot of players have just found jobs to kind of to get by so that they can spend their time training and playing. And, and a, lot of, a lot of the national team players for Canada and the U.S., it's just they end up doing a lot of skills, skills clinics and running camps and doing a lot in the summer months so that they'll have enough income throughout the season that they can just ride that income and focus on their play. Um, so it, it's a really tough balance. Um, when I was coaching uh, Markham in the CWHL, I was also t- teaching at the Hill Academy um, where I had, it was my first year teaching, so I had three different preps that I had to be <laughs> making sure I had my ducks in a row and then going to practice and making sure I had practice plan in place and communicating with other coaches and, and making sure that we're on track with our team and, and that um, in that arena. So it was, it, it's really tough balance, but you, you kind of, uh, you find a way to make it work if you're passionate about it. And, yeah. and I think that's what everybody has done. And there was an awful lot of passion. Like you say, there was interest growing. We have such a great girls hockey program in this city through the Devilettes, and and you look at the impact that bringing Canada and the U.S. had and the excitement around the game, and now that kind of disappears. And you mentioned having to get jobs. It's not like a lot of the players who might not be with the national team and might not be able to get you know funding from the national team to help train and, and then get ready and, and play in the national team events. For anyone else who, who was also on these teams, it's not like you can just go to the National Women's Hockey League, play in the U.S. and grab a job, there's a thing called a green card that'll be awfully tough to get. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, absolutely. And then so we had, we had players that work shift work too, where they'd be coming off with night shifts and then on the road and playing games. And I don't know if if you've stayed awake throughout the night and tried to function the next day. I mean, it's it's pretty tough thing to do. But um, yeah, so a lot of police officers, firefighters, and they they have those schedules that they have to work in as well. And I mean, I, it's, it, it's something else with, 
like, like London itself is, is a hockey hotbed. And I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed my first year here at Western, but I mean, the excitement around that Canada U S game when it came to town was, it was tough to get tickets. <laughs> um, so it was, it was exciting to see that. And I, I only hope that that series continues on, but I mean, we need, we need something for the, for all these women to play in. In your own dressing room, how much of a conversation is professional hockey for people who are playing at the university level? Does it ever come up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It, it comes up, and, and playing overseas and that experience as well is, is always an option for these players. And uh, um, it's, it, I, I know when, when the news came out, I was walking a recruit around campus, and I just felt my phone in my pocket, and it just kept going off. And I was like, oh, no. Eventually, I pulled it out to look, and I was floored. But it was a lot of our players that are in our locker room currently texting me, being like, what does this mean? What's happening? And I didn't have a ton of answers. And I don't know if those answers are out there um, or if they're going to be coming along, but I I hope there are some. We're talking with Candace Moxley, head coach of the Western women's hockey team. Candace, you mentioned the National Women's Hockey League is there. There has been suggestion that the National Hockey League could in some way get involved, but they wanted to see one league or a unified league. Can you look at that as being a potential thing to watch for in the next days, weeks, months, who knows how long, just to say, hey, this might be a potential solution? Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if the NHL will step in unless the NWHL backs down. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of question marks going and happening right now, and I hope there was some backroom conversation before that the CWHL disbanded like this. But I'm. I. I don't know if people are just hoping to ride the wave of of that Canada U.S. series, the NHL skills competition where players did unbelievable in that arena um but i I hope there's some answer or some plan that isn't just out in the media right now but i I just don't know and the nwhl they've had their own battles i i don't know how sustainable that league is because the one year that they they were in operation they pulled funding and, and paychecks from players in order to finish the season and and they had a sponsor step in and kind of uh, pretty much pick them up by their um, pick them up and actually finish the season. So I just don't know what everything looks like, and that's that's kind of the unnerving thing right now. Well, you did amazing things to help get the Canadian Women's Hockey League up and going, and uh, you need to be congratulated for that. So do a lot of other people, and it's sad to see that go. But I hope there is still a bright future for professional women's hockey. Candice, thanks so much for the time. Yeah, thank you. Candace Moxley, head coach of Western's women's hockey team. Half her gear, Zamboni is going around, and she's putting up sponsorship signs. That's what it takes. That's where this began. That's why, in a way, it's really sad to see this stop. But I still believe the appetite is starting to be there. I used to argue that it's going to be difficult for women's sports to succeed because you need that fan base. I really think that fan base has been created. I really think that fan base exists now to a greater degree than it ever has. And you have programs like the Devilettes to thank for it. So now, where does this go? Well, 
Will the NHL step in? Is that even right? Is that what you want to have happen? You know, it boils down to the commitment of the pioneers of a league. And anymore, it takes it takes a lot. Look at what Candace is, is describing. The idea that somebody is working shift work, working nights, and then all of a sudden you're traveling, you get maybe a couple hours sleep, and then you've got to play a game. That's just the way that they lived because they wanted this to succeed. To, to see that not work out and to see how it was handled. Because I think in all of this, if you are going to criticize somebody, it is criticize the league for the way that they allowed this to just, boom, okay, we're done now. Make some phone calls. Give some people a heads up. That's only right. So that's unfortunate that that's the way that it was allowed to be carried out. You want to give some people a heads up. Is it that you are worried you'll give them a heads up and then the word spreads and and you don't get to control the message? Come on. There are things like group emails. You can easily set this up and say, hey, just want to let you know an announcement's coming out in two minutes. Just at least something. They didn't have that. So this league that had been built is now no more. And it's not coming back. This is not, oh, well, you know, we'll we'll put it on hiatus for a year. No, it's done. And the idea that you could go and just play in the United States, that's not all that feasible. As was pointed out, if you have someone playing for a national team program, they get enough funding that they could potentially do something like that if you can work out a green card. But for most people, no, that's, that's not doable. And you don't have that many people who are being funded by the national program to be able to go and 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 even then you know you're not making a ton of money but you're committing yourself to that national program we used to have one in men's hockey in this country so what do you do with this that's that's the golden question right there because you're not going to attract all of the players you're not going to bring 75 players out of the Canadian Women's Hockey League you are going to render most of those players without a job because they can't just pick up and move to the United States. So it's sad in that way because I really believe this was building momentum. But to have one league is what is important. Is it the National Women's Hockey League? There are a lot of people kind of saying, no, I don't really like what's happening there. Maybe we need a new league. That's happened before in sports. We'll see. Let's take a break. We will talk more about what is coming up. We're going to visit with Global National reporter Abigail Beeman. A few other things to do on London Live. We'll update you in a moment. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.